Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. You may be seated. It's so good to to be with you. Um, I love your pastor, Pastor Josh. Um, we are cousins, probably like second cousins or something. Um, but uh, but I love him just who he is. Even if he wasn't my relative, he'd be my friend. And I love him and I appreciate him. Um, I, I remember, I still remember the first time uh, Josh came to speak at our church. It was probably the first time that I met him. And you had to be 17, maybe, maybe 18, 13. Well, I don't remember that time. All right. <laughs> but the first time that he came to preach, uh, and we had an older church, you know, and uh, pews, and we did have pads on our pews. We were like, whoop, whoop, big time, right? Pads on the pews. And then we had altar. And I'll never forget because Josh came down in the middle of a sermon, you know, and he was just on fire and he was preaching and he jumped up on that altar. And I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. And I was like, what is he doing? <laughs> I mean, he was wild. He was wild. In fact, he still holds the record at my dad's church. I think it's, I think the tally's up to three microphones that he has blown out. Um, so he, he holds, he holds the record. Um, so, but I do love you, Josh. I appreciate you. And, um, and praise God for what he's doing here at Christ, Christ Point Church. So thank you, uh, for joining, uh, here with us today. And I don't know if you heard, uh, the story the other day of the, the man who frantically ran in, uh, to his local, uh, sheriff's office and, and, and he was just a mess and, and the officer stepped up and said, sir, what can I help you? He said, I need to re- re- report that my wife is missing. She's been missing for over a-, a day. She went shopping and she never came home. And the officer said, okay, what is her age? And he said, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. She's between 50 and 60. Um, we don't really do birthdays. Okay. The officer said, well, what's her height? He said, I'm not exactly sure. She's a little over five feet tall. Okay, how about her weight? Don't know. She's not real slim, but she's not really um, a fat either. Color of her eyes. He says, they're sort of brown. He's like, okay, how about her hair? Well, it changes, you know, it kind of changes throughout the year. The officer goes, okay, well, what was she wearing? He said, I'm not sure. It could have been, could have been pants. It could have been skirt, short. I'm I'm not really sure. He keeps getting friendly. The officer goes, well, well, then what kind of car did she go in? He goes, she went in my, my truck. It's a 2017 manufactured on September 16th, pearl white Ram. Limited four by four hem with a 6.4 liter Hemi. It has a Ram box bar, fridge options, LED lighting, front and backup camera, heated seats, weather tech floor mats, a trailing package with a gold hitch, sunroof, DVD, full GPS navigation, satellite radio. He starts tearing up at this point. It's got special alloy wheels, off road Toyo tires, underglow, wheel well lighting. The officer says, take it easy, sir. We will find your truck. We will find your truck. <laughs> you know how many know sometimes it's, it's easy to get our priorities wrong. It's easy to get our eyes on the wrong thing. You know, as I was thinking about, um, it's an honor anytime that I get to share the word. But when I was thinking about coming here and speaking, you know, all that's been on my heart recently is just that we need to experience Jesus. And I feel like in the season that we're in right now, that there are a lot of us who are distracted and maybe discouraged and and confused. 
and, and, and I'm praying for a, a Jesus revival where our eyes are turned to Jesus, where our focus is turned to Jesus. And that's all that I could get on my heart was Jesus. And as I was sitting in the hotel yesterday and I was like, man, that's all that's on my heart is just Jesus. And I was like, I, I just, so I actually was like, you know, I'm just going to pull up Christ Point's uh, Facebook page and see, you know, what, what they, what, what's been going on. And so I pulled up last week's message and the first thing I saw was Jesus. And I said, okay, we can roll with this. We can roll with this. Everybody say Jesus. I believe the Lord wants to turn our hearts to a fresh awakening, a fresh revival, a focus and priority on Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. And I felt as I was praying, Pastor Josh, that the Lord said that this is a season for Christ Point Church of positioning where he was going to begin to position you and prepare you. And much like when a building is prepared, there is much, there's great work that's put into a foundation, but it prepare, prepares us for something great. And I feel like that's what the Lord is doing with this church. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus, seeing Jesus. So, so I want us to look, and I'm going to just talk to you on, on that simple thought today of, of this simple thought. I want to see Jesus. Can you say that with me? Say, I want to see Jesus. And we're going to look at a familiar passage for most of you. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And again, it is such an honor to be with you. And thank you, uh, Pastor Josh. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to be reading from the King James translation. Most of us are probably familiar with this story if you grew up in church we sang a great song about it in children's church. It's about a little man named Zacchaeus who was vertically challenged, we would say. And so here's how the story goes in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. Pay attention to that. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Verse 6 says, so he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Let's pray. Father God, today, I thank you for being in this house. I thank you for everyone who's come out this morning to worship. And, and I just pray today that Holy Spirit, you would cause the word of God to open up inside of our hearts and life. May we experience you. May we see you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I believe the Lord wants us to see Jesus, like we've never seen him before. And in this story, Zacchaeus, in the children's church song we used to sing, was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. All right, that's how the children's church song went. He was just a small guy. And, and he, was, he was not a follower of Christ, but he heard that Jesus was coming and he, he wanted to see Jesus, but he, but he couldn't. Let me, let me hop right in. Now, what I want to give you today is a couple things that keeps us from seeing Jesus. 
All right, a couple things that keeps us from seeing Jesus, and, and they're all going to be words that start with a P, all right? So the first one is people. Everybody say people. Everybody say people. Verse 3 says that he sought to see who Jesus was, but pay attention, but he could not because of what? Because of the crowd. He wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of people, right? People. Yes, Zacchaeus was short, all right? He was vertically challenged, all right? But that really wasn't the reason that he couldn't see Jesus. It was because of the, the people. Everybody say people. It was people that w- was keeping him from seeing Jesus. I want you to know one of the enemy's favorite things to use to keep you from experiencing Jesus, to keep you from a deeper relationship with Jesus, to keep you from really going to the next level in your walk with Jesus, one of the enemy's favorite things to use is people. He wanted to see Jesus. He needed Jesus. He had heard about Jesus, but he couldn't. He was, he, he was kept from seeing Jesus because of people. How, how does this happen? There's a couple, there's a lot of ways this happens. There's a lot of ways that people keep, keep us from seeing Jesus. One of the most common ones is offense. Anybody in the room ever been offended before? Me, I got both hands up, right? Got your feelings hurt? Right? Like, just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, the funny thing about offense is when we come to a church, right? We come to a church, we think, I will never get offended in church. And when we do, it's like such a shock to us that sometimes we forget. Listen to the very words of Jesus in Luke chapter 17. Talking to disciples. Everybody say disciples. Talking to believers, he said, it is impossible that no offenses should come. He's talking to Christians and he said, it's going to be impossible for you to never be offended. But it's so easy for us to get offended. And we get our feelings hurt and we just get, and and if we're not careful, what happens is it keeps us from seeing Jesus. Because we're in the church and pastor is preaching, but all we can think about is, well, I should be up there singing a solo, but Pastor Sean never asked me to sing a solo. Or, you know, well, that, that person, you know, it seems like they keep getting promoted, but, I, but, I, but I'm, I'm not. Are you following me? Everybody say offense. People, it keeps you from seeing Jesus and, and, and really, it's like you, you, you're so close to getting what you need, your breakthrough, but, but, but people are standing between you. That's what Proverbs says. It's, it's harder for a city to be won than to reach an offended brother. Offense, man, it hurts us. The Greek word for offense is scandalone, which literally means it's, it's like the, the trap that is set, it's the piece of bait that's on a trap. And that's how the enemy uses offense. He sets it like a trap for us because he knows if he can get us to get all caught up in that, all worried about who's hurt us and who's messed us up, that it it keeps us from seeing Jesus. It keeps us from our breakthrough. It keeps us from growing. It keeps us from experiencing Jesus. Well, I just can't believe they said that or they did that. Here's the thing that I've learned about offense. Maybe it's just in my life, Pastor Josh, 
But sometimes when I get all caught up and offended about something, 99.99% of the time, what I'm offended over, probably it's not even actually true or real. It's just what I perceived happened. Did you hear me? It's what I perceived happened. But the enemy uses it. He sets a trap and I fall for it. And then people are keeping me from seeing Jesus. People are keeping me from seeing Jesus. It's like the man who was rescued. You've probably heard the story uh, from the deserted island. He was all by himself for years. And when the rescue pilot saved him and was taking him back as they flew back across the island, the pilot said, you, you told me, sir, that you were the only person who lived on this island. And he said, I, I am. He said, there are three buildings down there. He said, I know, I built all of them. He's like, that first one, that's my house. That's where I live. He said, that second one right there, he said, that's, that's where I go to church. And he said, that third one is, that's where I used to go to church before I got mad and left. Come on, say people. We get offended, it keeps us, rubs us the wrong way. You know, it goes with offense is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, just like offense that, that, we, that every single one of us struggle with if we want to be real and honest, right? Learning to forgive people. Learning to, to, to let hurts and, and offenses go. Unforgiveness gets you in a funk so fast. Can I talk to all the people who wear glasses in the house, all right? Don't you love, if you're a glass wearer, don't you love these masks that we have to put on? Come on, where's all my foggy friends at? You put that mask on and all of a sudden you start breathing and you're in a foggy funk. Hear me today. Some of us, we need to see Jesus. We need a breakthrough. You need it for your marriage. You need it for your family. You need it for those around you. But unforgiveness has got you in a foggy funk. Because you want to see clearly you want that breakthrough, but when you hold on to things, even things that legitimately hurt you and they were wrong and it shouldn't have been done, it was never God's will, but if you keep holding on to it, you sit in that foggy funk and you're not seeing clearly, not able to see what Jesus can do for you. I heard this the other day, learn to practice pre-forgiveness. Sounds funny. But establish it in your heart that you're going to be a pre-forgiver. Meaning when something happens to me, I'm just already established in my heart. I'm going to forgive them. I am going to work it out. I am go I'm not going to sit in a foggy funk and huff and puff and be upset because it's going to keep me from seeing Jesus. And I don't want anything to keep me from seeing Jesus. So go ahead and, 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 and settle it in your heart. You see what the enemy likes to do? He likes, you know how he is. He likes to come in and whisper to us, right? Come in and whisper to us. It's like, it's like the young pastor, you know, who um, he was his first church and his Earl just had been married and they were struggling financially and, 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 and the pastor uh, came home one day and his wife had bought a brand new dress. And he just, oh, honey, that dress looks great, but you know we don't have any extra money for that dress. And she's like, I know, I know. She's like, but, but I was walking through the mall and I saw it in the window. And she's like, it was like a voice in the back of my head said, go in and, and, and try on that dress. And, and I went in and then that voice said, man, that, this dress is 
for you. And, and, and the husband goes, honey, you know, we're pastors. You know what you do when you hear that voice. You say, get behind me, Satan. And she said, I did. And he said from back there, it looks good on you from back here too. And so here's what happens. We get hurt, we get offended, and, and we think we've dealt with it, but we've really not. And what the enemy does, he knows the exact right time to just whisper in your ear. Don't you remember when they did that? Don't you remember when, when you volunteered at the other church and that's when everything went downhill? So don't you dare sign up to be a volunteer in this church. Just be a casual attender. That's when everything went downhill for you. Remember, remember? Here's what you need to learn. Satan, I distinctly remember forgetting about that. I distinctly remember forgetting about that because I'm not gonna let anything keep me from seeing Jesus. Can I give you a couple other things how the enemy uses people? How about bad fruit? Bad fruit. You know, the Bible says as believers that we're gonna be known by what? By our fruit, Matthew chapter seven, right? By their fruits, you will know them. A couple years ago, my father, we, our family went to a Chinese buffet. Praise God for Chinese buffets, right? And, and my dad really doesn't care that much for Chinese food, but he, he makes his way through it. But my dad loves sweets. And I'll never forget, he came back to the table with the big old plate of what he thought was banana pudding. And he was, I remember he was so excited about this banana pudding. And, he, and I remember I, I, was, I was young, I was an early teenager, and I was thinking in my head, where did you find banana pudding? You know, at China Wall Buffet, whatever we're at, okay? And he takes that big old spoon, and it's hot hibachi mustard, all right? And I remember his face light up like the 4th of July. There is nothing worse than biting into something that you think is one thing and it's, it's, it's not, and you know how some people can't, why some people can't see Jesus? It's because of bad fruit. From people who are saying they're believers, but they're, they're really not. For people who their social profile proclaims that they're, you know, devoted husband, follower of Christ. This is all in their bio. And then you, you read down through the things they've been posting or sharing and liking, and it's like, bleh. Bad fruit, it keeps people from seeing Jesus. It keeps people from seeing Jesus. Hear me today. It keeps people from experiencing Jesus. It's, it's shallow Christians. I know, pastor, I heard you last week on your series, The Dangers of a Shallow Church. Listen, shallow Christians, people who aren't experiencing good fruit, they are keeping people from seeing Jesus. Hear me, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus needed to see Jesus. He, he had heard about him, but it was people who kept him from Jesus. Everybody say bad fruit. Bad fruit will keep us from seeing Jesus. I mean, it was just because sometimes we think we need to just get online and say something. Well, I just need to throw this out here. I just need to, well, you need to stop for a second. You need to stop for a second. And you need to say, is this gonna, is this the fruit of what I'm putting out there? Is it gonna help somebody see Jesus? 
And then if it's not, just save it for yourself. Are you following me today? Let me tell you another one about people that keeps us from seeing Jesus. Casual Christians. Can we talk for a minute about casual Christians? In Revelation chapter 3, we know of the church, and there was a church in Laodicea. And as the story goes, the issue with that church, God says was, you know, you're not really hot, but you're not really cold. You're, you're lukewarm. You're in the middle. Casual Christians. It's, it's fascinating. When, when we, the, the story we read says Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't because of the crowd. If you, if you dig into literally that word crowd, it, it literally just means a casual collection of people. And sometimes the problem why people can't see Jesus is because they come into the place where in their mind they're thinking, I need Jesus, my life's falling apart, everything seems to be going the wrong way, I'm, I, I know I should go to church. They come to church, but the reason they can't get what they're looking for is because of a casual collection of people. People that are just, ah, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm kind of there, but, but, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm not there, or, or I'm saying one thing. Listen, it's almost like the, if you're, maybe you're, if you've got young kids, they've maybe played the game Bean Boozled. Anybody ever heard the game Bean Boozled? All right, if you need fun at your next family night, play Bean Boozled, okay? It's a game involving jelly beans, all right? It's really simple. And basically, you just, you, you, you know, flick the little spinner, and it gives you a color. And it, maybe it's white. And so if it's white, you pull out the white jelly bean, all right? It's a really simple game, okay? A ton of fun. So that white jelly bean could be birthday cake flavor, or it could be dirty dishwater. You just don't know. You just don't know until you taste it and see. It could be toasted marshmallow, or it could be stink bug. It could be chocolate pudding or it could be canned dog food. It could be tutti frutti or it could be stinky socks. And here's the problem we're having in the church world today. All right? Here's the problem we're having. We are saying one thing and people are coming in, they're expecting tutti frutti and they're getting stinky socks. They're like, you know, well, I've heard this is the place that I go for the answers. But people, we can keep people from seeing Jesus. Everybody say people. The second thing, second thing, let's hop in. You're like, I know, I know. This is not fun stuff to talk about. Can we just move on? We'll move on. Let's go to the second one, all right? And it's another P word. It's fun to say, all right? So verse, verse three says, he sought to see Jesus, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Verse 4 says, so he ran. Everybody say he ran and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he's going to pass away. Notice Zacchaeus when he realizes, you know, I, I can't get through these people. I can't, I'm, I'm trying. I want to see, but I can't. So he runs and he climbs. Passivity. Everybody say passivity. Say it three times fast. Passivity, passivity, passivity. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Passivity will keep you from seeing Jesus. It'll keep you from seeing him. 
you know, Zacchaeus could have just gave up that day. Zacchaeus could have just said, man, I can't, I can't get through. I can't see him. All these people, all these, you know, this crowd, this mob. And he could have just said, oh, well, Jesus will come through town another day. And some of you hear me today. You have a need. You need to experience Jesus. You need a miracle in your life. You need change in your life. You need change in your marriage. You need change in the culture of your home. And you know that you need Jesus. You know that you need it. You know that you need a word from him. You know that you need direction. But the enemy will always convince you, oh, yeah, just, just another time. Just, you know, maybe, maybe a, 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 another, another opportunity or when, when you get around to it, then I'll focus on that. Zacchaeus decides, you know what? I can't get to him this way. I'm going to run. Everybody say run. He said, I'm going to run and I'm going to climb because I'm not going to miss my opportunity. See, passivity will keep you from missing out on seeing Jesus, on experiencing Jesus. Hear me today, when we lose our passion, when we lose our first love, when we lose our desire to, to go after Jesus, to push through the crowd, to push through the obstacles, to say, I don't care if it looks foolish. I don't care if it looks silly. I don't care. I don't, I'm not ashamed for, for, for me and my spouse to say, you know what? We need to go sit down. We need to talk to a counselor. You can laugh at me, but we're going to do it because for me and my house, we're going to serve God. For you to sit down in your house, he you say, you know what? We're going to start reading God's word. We're going to do it as a family. Well, my kids are going to laugh at me and yada, 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 yada. Listen, when we decide in our hearts that we want to see Jesus and we're not going to be passive about it, things begin to change. But when we're passive, we're like, oh, you just, it'll, it'll just happen. Nothing just happens. Hear me today. Nothing just happens. We have to be intentional about it in John chapter 5, Jesus came to a pool called the Pool of Bethesda. And, and, and at this pool, there were a, a lot of people who'd gather around. And, and, uh, and, and, and how the story was, that at a certain time, an angel would come down and touch the water. And whoever got into the pool first would get a miracle. And he comes down and there's a man who's been sitting there. 38 years he's had an infirmity. 38 years. And the story kind of indicates that maybe he's been sitting there all 38 years. And so Jesus comes to him, and Jesus asks him, uh, to, to us, what would seem like a weird question. Do you want to be made better? Now, if you've been there for 38 years and you can't, you need a miracle, you're paralyzed, that seems like a dumb question. But Jesus wasn't trying to hurt his feelings. Jesus wasn't trying to offend him. Jesus is just using some common sense. Hey, 38 years you've been here and you've not like made it to the pool? Like what's the issue here? He asked him, he said, oh Jesus, every time, you almost hear his voice, every time the angel comes, somebody beats me to the pool. Like for crying out loud, you had 38 years, couldn't you figure it out? You know, like paper, rock, scissors with your friends, you know, and be like, hey, whoever wins, we're all going to carry him in first. You get your miracle, then tomorrow it's my turn, and then it's his turn. We're going to work this out. But when we are passive, 
Hear me. Hear me today. When we become passive, the enemy rocks us to sleep. He rocks us to sleep and we miss on experiencing Jesus. We miss on seeing all that Jesus has for us. And when we just become a casual follower, when we don't want to go deep and get get down and grow and become disciples, we miss out on all that Jesus has for us. We miss out on it. Zacchaeus said, I'm running. I'm climbing. I'm not missing my opportunity. Come on, how many of those when you first get saved? When you first, how many remembers when you first got saved? When Jesus first saved your life? When you knew that you were headed to hell and you experienced the love of Jesus? You know, when you really experience Jesus, nobody has to tell you it's time to worship God. You're like, I'm gonna worship that man. He saved my life. I deserved hell. I deserved punishment. I was a mess and Jesus saved me. When we're first saved, but then we, we become, we, we lose our passion. We become passive. We lose our first love. Nobody had to tell you to worship. Now it's like, come on, let's do this. Let's do this. Yay, please, please. And now we're like, ah, only if it's my favorite song. When you first got saved, it didn't matter what they played. It didn't matter if they had a full piece band or it's just somebody up behind a microphone who couldn't carry a tune. Your hands went up, tears were coming down, your heart was full of love, but then we become professional. Oh, I don't like this song. Oh, why are they dimming the lights? I can't even see for crying out loud in here. Music's too loud. Music's not loud enough. Are you hearing me today? We become passive and we miss out on seeing Jesus. Listen, the writer of Hebrews says this, listen very carefully to the truth that we have heard because if not, we will drift away. Do you know how much effort it takes to drift? None. Why do you think all the parents in the room, all right, or everybody over the age of 20, if you take kids to a water park in the summertime, what is your favorite ride? The lazy river. Because what do you do on the lazy river? Nothing. But do you move somewhere? Absolutely. You stick your big bottom down in that tube, right? And you just go on a ride. Listen, here's the thing about being passive. If you do nothing and you're not intentional about your spiritual growth, if you're not intentional about saying, I don't want to be shallow anymore. If you're not intentional about saying, I don't want my family to be like this anymore. I want it to grow I, I, I want to change. I want to be discipled. I want to experience more of Jesus. If you're not intentional, the current will begin to pull you in the wrong direction. Well, how did I end up like this? How you wake up one day? How, how did our marriage end up like this? How did, our, how did the culture of our family, we were, we were so in love. We never used to argue, never used, never used to fight. And you, you got to wake up and say, maybe we've become passive and we need to get intentional so that we can see Jesus. Everybody say, he ran. He ran. He ran. Passivity will keep you from seeing Jesus. And here's the last thing that will keep you from seeing Jesus. Everybody say, people. Say, passivity. 
Say it again, because it's fun to say it. Passivity. Say it again, passivity. It'll keep you from seeing Jesus. Let's finish the story. Verse five, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he, he sees Zacchaeus and he says to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I'm gonna stay at your house. You gotta think in that minute, Zacchaeus is like, he's gotta look over at the crowd. See you suckers, <laughs> you coming to my house. That's how I would have been, right? You guys didn't want to make room for me? Fine. I'm going to climb this tree and look like a fool, but it don't matter because I want to see him. Isn't it amazing? Jesus, listen, any act of intentional movement towards Jesus never goes unnoticed. Hear me today. Every act of intentional movement towards Jesus never goes unnoticed. Any act, any step, God is a just God. He sees. When we take steps to draw near to God, he draws near to us. Some of you even in the room this morning when pastor said, hey, we're just, we're just gonna, we're gonna go through the New Testament. Some of you in your mind, you're like, well, you know what? I tried last year to go through the whole Bible and I, and I couldn't, so there, I'm not even gonna try this year. Listen, any act of intentional movement towards Jesus does not go unnoticed. Some of the men in the house, I know you're thinking, you're like, I'm, I'm so busy. I, I work 50, 60 hours, and, and how, how can I do? I don't even know. And, 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 and one of the ideas, Pastor Josh even minutes last week, in your ride to work, just listen to the Bible right there. But some of you, the enemy is, is whispering into your ear, that's not good enough. It's not the real deal. You're cheating. You're listen, any act of intentional movement towards Jesus never goes unnoticed. So don't you allow the enemy to try to convince you. You just tell him, shut up. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I'm not sitting back in my passive little spot anymore. I'm moving towards Jesus. I'm taking steps. I'm moving towards Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'm going to mess up, but I'm better today than I was yesterday because I'm moving towards Jesus. Now remember, I know we're going to wrap up. But listen, the casual crowd, everybody say the casual crowd, they're still sitting over there having church. Oh, there's Jesus. Ah, ooh, Jesus. Did he go to their house? Nope. In their hearts, they were passive. They had become comfortable. Jesus was looking for somebody who really, really, really wanted to see him. And that's why he stops. And you know he's got to be thinking, I saw you running, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is probably thinking, how did you see me? How did you see? He, he saw. I saw you running. I saw you climb the tree. It looked foolish. I, I saw you on your lunch break with your little lunch mate cooler off to the side eating your bologna and cheese and reading Matthew chapter 5, I saw you. I saw you. I know everybody else was sitting around the lunch cooler and, and, and laughing around, but I, I saw you. I saw you get up five minutes early and pray for your spouse. I saw you. 
I saw you. I saw you, student, at your lunch break, getting your Bible out and reading it. I saw you. And today, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. So let's wrap it up. He comes to Zacchaeus, verse 6. He says, make haste. And verse 6 says, so he, Zacchaeus, made haste, came down and received him joyfully. Here is the last P word that will keep you from seeing Jesus and that is pride. Everybody say pride. Pride will keep you from seeing Jesus. Catch this. You, you, you can't miss this. Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to have an encounter with Jesus? You have to let go of your pride. You have to let go of your pride. And some of us, there's, there's so many different ways that we can think about pride. But here's what I want you to think about. You want to experience Jesus, you got to let go of your pride, meaning you got to get real with him. You got to get real with him. Zacchaeus, in this moment, the Bible says he came down and he received, he opened up, received Jesus joyfully. Now, if you read on to the next few verses, the casual followers, the crowd, right, they start complaining. What is Jesus doing going into the house of a sinful man? See, here's, here's the point where Jack, Zacchaeus was. Zacchaeus probably had no idea that on that day Jesus would come to his house. But Zacchaeus received him joyfully, basically saying this, here I am, Jesus. I have nothing to hide. You know that I'm a sinful man, but I want to see you. He got real with Jesus. He said, I don't care what the other crowd is saying. They can keep yakking and yapping and saying and laughing. They laughed at me when I was running. They laughed at me when I was climbing. Now they're laughing at me because they're saying, Jesus isn't good enough. You know, I'm, I'm not good enough for Jesus. But Jesus, I really don't care what everybody else is thinking, what everybody else is saying. I want to see you. And he let go of his pride. You see, Jesus can never heal what you don't reveal. And in this moment, Zacchaeus is like, you coming to my house? See, most of us would have stopped and said, nope, Jesus, you, you probably should go. You see that person over there? Like they got their life all together. <laughs> like you, you don't want to come and, and Sean, you can come or whoever's playing the keys. Jesus, you, you probably want to go to so-and-so's house because, you know, my house is probably not exactly ready for you. You know, I still got a, a lot of junk. I'm, I'm a tax collector. I'm not the... You, you want to come to my house? But what did he, he do? He received him joyfully. Come in, Jesus. Because he needed him. You see, we have to... Stop hiding. Everybody say, stop hiding. And if we want to see Jesus, be real with him and allow him to come in. Jesus already knows that he can't heal what we're not reeling, what we are not reeling, willing to reveal to him. And say, here I am, Jesus. See, people... People will keep us from seeing Jesus. 
through offense, hurt. Passivity will keep us from seeing Jesus. But then I think the biggest one is our pride keeps us from seeing Jesus. You see, the the whole time, and I hope you catch this, Jesus was watching. He knew. Listen, you're here today. Some of you in this room, you need to see Jesus. You need Him. Your marriage needs Jesus. Your children needs Jesus. But hear me, please. It won't happen by accident. But when we lay down our pride and we say, Jesus, this is where I'm at. You already know. But now I'm getting real with you because I need you and I want you. And whatever it takes, I'm going to take those intentional steps to say, Jesus, I want to see you. And I receive you joyfully. Would you just stand with me this morning? And would you just do this for just a moment? Would you just bow your head? I believe that every time the Word of God is shared, that there should be some type of response to God's Word. So here's what I want you to do right there where you're at. I want you to ask God, say, God, what are you speaking to me this morning? right there make an altar and I want you to respond to God I want you to respond to God some of you in the room you've lost your first love you've lost your passion and would you just right now just say Jesus I'm going to be open and honest with you I want my passion back I want my, my love back I want my passion somebody in the room used to have such a passion for serving it didn't matter if you were an usher or, or, or playing the drums or, or working in children's church, but then something has happened and you've lost your passion to serve. Would you just get real with Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I'm laying down my pride. I want my passion to come back. Come on, some of you in the room, you've, in this season, you've just been distracted. You've just been distracted. You've lost your focus. Just be real with Jesus right now and say, I've, Jesus, I've got distracted. But I'm, I'm, I'm turning my focus to you right now. You are my first love. Come on, somebody lay down some idols in the room this morning right now. Come on, just lay down some idols right now. Come on, we can make idols out of anything. We can make idols out of our, our sports, our hobbies. We can make idols out of our careers. We make idols out of politicians. Come on, somebody just lay down some idols right now in the name of Jesus. And say, nothing is going to come before my love for Jesus.